Hindsepti is the founder of the natural skincare brand, Wind. Hind is a former beauty executive with 20 years of experience in the most prominent beauty houses across Paris and London, including Procter & Gamble and L'Oreal, and Hind's journey building Wind is a must here. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs that built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Hind Septi. With 20 years of experience in beauty, wellness, and consumer goods, Hind is now also the founder of her own beauty and lifestyle brand, Wind. Created on the development platform Walden Cast Brands, of which Hind is also the founder and chief growth officer, Wind is innovating at the junction between high-performance science and sensorial beauty. I love that Hind created the brand with a Moroccan heritage at the heart of the brand. Her warm science philosophy showcases her understanding of skincare as an indulgent ritual of self-care, as well as her dedication to formulating with high-performing proven actives. If that wasn't enticing enough, Wind is also dermatologically tested, carbon neutral certified, and committed to achieving 100% recyclable packaging. As a former beauty executive nurturing iconic brands, including L'Oreal Paris, Maybelline, and Redken, it's without a doubt that Wind is one of a kind, creating products conceived by the best for the best results. So Hind, thank you so much for being with us today, and I cannot wait to get into the journey. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the lovely intro and lovely words. Uh, it make me, they made me smile. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I've been really looking forward to this podcast. I, I came across your brand, I think, through our mutual friend, Kyle Shell, um, and when I saw her products, your products um, shared on her stories, I was instantly captivated. It's like, it's very rare for a brand, you know, you can try the products, you can mm-hmm. see the packaging, but everything about the journey and the story, I was immediately like, uh, not only was I obsessed, but I also felt very connected to. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a huge story there that we want to dive into. But I want to start with the first question I ask all my guests. And it's sure. who in a nutshell is Hind? I always say, do you want like the scenic route or do you want to like the sharp uh, one-liner? Yeah. I always say that I am Moroccan, born and raised. Uh, I'm a dreamer. And I am a global citizen. I left Morocco when I was 17. My family still lives there, but I went to study in France. And, you know, and I always had this big appetite for the big world and what's in it for me. And now the brand is an emulation of that. It's exciting to see the same kind of breath of kind of culture and heritage, but with that modernity and global vision. So Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to go into that journey, but let's start at the beginning. So you said you were born and raised in Morocco. Morocco Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite places. (laughs) I mean, I haven't even traveled a lot of it, but right. I've been to the desert. I've I've stayed in the camps. Mm -hmm. I've done obviously Marrakesh. So tell me where were you born and raised in Morocco? So I was born in a, a city called Meknes, uh, which is in the middle, like the center-ish of Morocco. And it's one of what's um, one of the cities that we call the imperial cities, which means that at one point they were capital of the kingdom of Morocco, which is one of the oldest kingdoms um, in the world. And uh, and Meknes is one of those cities that is, I mean, it's UNESCO World Heritage. It's It's been there for, for more than a thousand years, but it's really growing in... Um, almost like this museum that is mm. for everything that is Moroccan craftsmanship, traditions, and um, in a way that we've been living for centuries, right? So it's very well-preserved. So a very traditional town that is very anchored in its traditions. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. When I was a teenager, by the way, I couldn't wait to run out of it. <laughs> now I'm like, no, no. Now you want to run back. Yeah, exactly. It's funny how that always happens. And, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there were some memories of rituals because, you know, mm-hmm. both our brands are very deeply rooted in our mm-hmm. childhood rituals even, which are generationally often passed. Tell me about those beauty rituals that you grew up with. The story of wind, and I'm going to start with that before going to the to the 
beauty rituals on the cells have been for me and like back to the source type of journey. Mm. Because, you know, we grew up in rituals, we take them for granted, then we became teenager, and then we seem to only want the opposite of anything that we grew up with. Yeah. You know, we go and discover the world. And for me, in my mid-30s, I started feeling the void of something is missing. Mm. And like something is missing. I remember I went back to Casablanca where my parents live today. And my sister was like, you should just go to the hammam. You know, you're not feeling well. Should go to the hammam. And I was like, I haven't been there in 20 years. I'm not going to go because you have like the childhood memories of those experiences. And she's like, just trust me. And I went back and it was like, oh my God, how did I live the last 20 years without this? And the the parts of the beauty rituals that are anchored in, um, that I remember uh, very well and that are, I mean, anchored in the hammam kind of culture is uh, the clay masks and all the rose waters and orange blossom water. Why? Because not only we, it's not just about using them, but because I grew up seeing my grandmothers making them. Mm. Uh, the clay we use in Morocco, it's called Rasul, and it's a typical clay that is only present in the Atlas Mountains. And the name Rasul is Arabic for wash, so we use it to wash. And I would remember my grandmother, she will get these big rocks from some guy in her family, some old guy is all I remember. And then becomes the process of, you know, of boiling it, of cleaning it, of adding some rose water petals, and then making it um, dry in the rooftops, right? And after this process, they will break it down, you know, like little chocolates, tablets, things. And they will, you know, my grandmother would give each to one of her daughters and so on. And they will give you as a small child, only a small girl, like a tiny little thing. And you would be like, oh my God, I am a woman, (laughs) you know, this kind of experience. So I remember the clay mask is kind of more my my grandmother on my mom's side and then my yeah. uh, grandmother on my dad's side was more kind of this, the memories of the distilling of the rose water mm. and the orange blossom same process takes a long time a lot of women doing it and then they give you a little bottle that you take home and then you get to play with it for your own beauty ritual so these for me are the foundation for you know moroccan beauty so to speak Oh, that's amazing. So, I mean, you then mentioned, was it 16 years old, you moved to another city? Was this also in... 17. Was this also in Morocco? No, I went to France. I finished high school and moved to France. Yeah. And this is what I'm really excited to talk about, because you're similar to me in the sense of we're now in the beauty industry, but you have a sort of maths, physics, engineering background like myself. (laughs) Um, So... Tell me about that. I mean, that it's, you know, it's funny because people find that the most fascinating thing about yeah. me. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Normally that's a thing that no one's excited yeah. to hear about. Like, yeah. like no one cares about a mathematician these days. Yeah. yeah. I think it's because there's not many, maybe no industry. Exactly. I mean, I grew up in Morocco. I was in French mm. high school. That's why I went to France afterwards. And I just happened to be good at, you know, maths and physics and all those kind of things. So I wanted to be an engineer. I had no clue what an engineer was, but I wanted to be an engineer because it's what you did when you were very good at these things. And also because everybody was telling me, oh, it's such such a, like a manly industry, right? They're like, oh, this is not for girls. And one thing about me is I don't like no, and I don't like people to put me in a box or oh, limit yeah. me. So I was like, I'm going to do that. Exactly. So I went to France and I studied engineering school. And then I realized, actually, I don't want to be an engineer. <laughs> so, But tell me about it? that. Yeah, you said industrial. I said electrical, yeah. electronic. Yeah. Was it like, for me, I'll tell you, it mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. I was good at math and physics, mm-hmm. right? But engineering was actually very different to math and physics. It was a lot harder and a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. And a lot more specialized. And I actually didn't enjoy it, but I wasn't that good at it. That's why I kind of said, you know what? I'm not the best here in this room. And I'd rather be the best at something to spend my career in it. What was your experience with engineering? Uh, I mean, for me, it was it, it was a bit of that, uh, which is when I was in high school. You know, I I've always been I just like a good student, like more of a generalist. So I was yes, I'm good at math and physics, but also French and history and so on. And when I went to engineering school, I th- I thought it was a bit dry <laughs> that it was mm-hmm. only engineering things, and I missed the diversity, the more the softer sciences, right? And that's why I did industrial engineering because I thought it was within all of the options the one that was the softest, you know, because mm-hmm. you do project management. It's it's a bit it's not as technical. Yeah. And uh, and then actually I started looking at jobs, right? And I was like, is this how I project myself? Is this what I want to do? And I would look at all the 
you know, people that come to talk to you at school and these people who are doing amazing careers. I was like, actually, this is not me. I don't want to be doing that. I want to do something else, something more creative, something more closer to humans, you know what I mean? And and I also knew very early on that I wanted to do beauty. So I was like, it's not probably the best way to go into beauty. And and as my career went in, I went on, I started at Procter & Gamble as an engineer. So I was doing supply uh-huh. chain, logistics, and so on. And you know what? It is amazing because it shaped me in many uh, ways that I can, you know, I'm very structured, I'm very organized, I understand everything from supply chain, you know, finances, etc. But I also realized that what I liked in beauty was the brand building. And I moved into that. So it took me a couple of steps when I corrected. But I think also because I realized I was going to be a much better brand person than a supply chain person. And I'd rather go somewhere when I'm going to be good or the best. <laughs> uh, and I, I love the fact that when I looked at your LinkedIn, as of say, right, I saw mm-hmm. diversity of, of roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that is a benefit of an engineer, right? It's like that mm-hmm. we can put us in a place with problem solve, we'll figure mm-hmm. this out. Exactly. But I think it's good to know when to move on and try something different or, or level up in a say, because mm-hmm. there is a sense of sometimes um, you don't know until you try. Like one mm-hmm. of a perfect mm-hmm. example is you even could see, right, the, the people coming in that would emulate your potential career as an engineer. And you realize that's not for me. But um, sometimes, yeah, you also got to try different jobs. So was there a moment, because um, in Procter & Gamble, to make that move to L'Oreal, like what was what was that moment that made you realize I'm going to go starting to be this kind of shift? Uh, I think that my biggest shift was not um, Procter & Gamble to L'Oreal. It was mostly when I decided to move from, um, from engineering career path to move to brand. Because at the time I was in France, and you know, Procter & Gamble, even more so in France, is a silo. You start in finance, you remain all your life in mind. I mean, you don't move, right? And also because you you lose your two, three, four years or whatever of experience that you have gained. And to me, the very defining moment that defined that move and all my career is um, I could feel it. I could feel that I wanted to do the brand bit, but I was a bit scared because everybody else was like, you can't do this. People are going to say, no, nobody has ever done it. It's complicated. Do you even know if you're going to be good at it? Blah, 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 blah. And I I went on holiday and I read like the you know the magazine fast company and it was the courage issue Um, and i remember i read something that says only those who dare to go too far can see how far they can go yeah and it changed me i came back and i was like i don't care i'm just gonna go and say i'm gonna change and i want to move from supply chain to marketing yeah or brand building and to my great surprise people i had great you know, managers and so on, they said, yes, we also think that you're going to be great. And they supported me and I made the move. So that stayed with me as a principle in life is when, you know, you don't ask, you don't get. If you feel that what is a better opportunity for you is elsewhere, well, the worst that can happen is people are going to say no, right? And if they say no, you understand why. And then you build on the gaps that you have to get there eventually. So that has been the biggest shifts. And and then I was in a place where I knew I am good at what I'm doing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And, uh, and I did it for many years at PNG and then I moved on to L'Oréal. Why the move to L'Oréal is because, I mean, I knew I only wanted to work in beauty, right? PNG has been an excellent uh, school of brand marketing, amazing brands. I learned a lot there, but I think I was ready for a new adventure. And, you know, L'Oréal is one of the, um, you know, big houses of beauty as well. So I wanted to complete that um that experience by working um on other brands so Amazing. it was fun i mean you had a variety of incredible moments at l'oreal but then i'm so curious when did that moment from you know being general manager at maybelline redkin um when did you start thinking about hang on i have this brand magic right i can create this branding and i love it maybe i can create my own one and, and also explain to us a little bit what when does Waldencast come in and what does that do exactly? Of course. So, I mean, when I think back, um, and I'm sure you feel the same when you look on your own experience, it has always been with me. When I was in my early 20s, I was like, I always had this thing of creating something. Mm. But, you know, 20 years ago, there was not that many, uh, you know, you don't go out of school and be a founder, you know, you just go and find a job, right? So I didn't know how to put a name to it, but it was an itch. But I was too young, not experienced and Mm -hmm. probably not trained enough to do any anything with it. So it has always been with me. 
Mm-hmm. And what happened is through, I mean, years and years at, um, you know, in a, in the beauty industry, I was on Maybelline and I was very happy. There was a, such a fun job. I really thoroughly enjoyed that assignment. But I think it was this tension when I'm like, what is next? I, yeah. by the time I have been 15 or something years in the beauty industry, I was like, am I going to be doing the same things? Corporate roles, just bigger, different, different brands, different geographies or something different. And this is where the something different was like, oh no, I want to create beauty on my own terms. And I think the idea that I had the brand, that I I had many brands within me, because you know, when you work in a corporate world, you always have to play with what I call other people's brands, you know, within uh, different parameters. But here I wanted to be more unshackled and do things that I have spotted in my, you know, experience in terms of gaps and so on. And wind was the most personal one to me because I love beauty, all categories, but I have a deep passion for skincare. And I was like, you know, I would go to all the big shops, you know, where we all go and, and you know, skincare has gotten a bit boring. It's all of the Mm -hmm. same and, you know, made by the same people following the same same blueprint, same lab, same packaging, same storytelling, la la la. And I was like, I don't find myself in it as a consumer and many consumers like me do not find themselves. And I think for me was this idea of performance and sensoriality. I love things that are indulgent. I don't like anything that doesn't smell nice and da da da. But I'm also want something to work. I'm not just, you know, I don't want to compromise. And as I was merging this together, I almost uh, took inspiration from my Moroccan heritage, but not consciously, is when I started to talk to people. They were like, "This this looks... Moroccan. And I was like, how? And then I was like, oh, hang on, Hind, you are Moroccan. So for the first time in my career, when I was actually allowing my own self to express, you know, mm-hmm. I, and, it, and then, then there was the moment when I'm like, am I going to say it is Moroccan, right? Because there is a thing with provenance beauty when you kind of say it out there. I know you do it same for everyone. There is a, a bet that you take on all of these things. And, and a sti- an unfortunate stigmatism that people just well, assume, sure. right? I mean, every single well, sure. person I'm sure that comes to you and me will say, so is your, pe- is your brand only for mm. Moroccan people? Or is your brand yeah. only for Indian people? It's like that assumative fact, yeah. right? It's, yeah, the, exactly. They assume it's only for a certain type of, like for your people, quote unquote, but they also assume yeah. that it's disengineered, you know, that it's basic, mm. you know, something you can buy in a souk. And that was my biggest fear. It's like, this is not your grandmother's argan oil or orange blossom. You know, there is a proper chemistry and thinking process and formulation philosophy and clinical testing. But I decided to do it because I think we live in a world where we talk a lot about diversity, right? But I think diversity, personally, is representation. It's not about a brand that's going to show me three skin tones. Is I'm excited to see brands from Brazil, from India, from Indonesia, from Sweden. You know what I mean? Because I'm interested in beauty point of views from all over the world. And I'm like, yeah, I can still pick and choose from it. and, and to me, I decided to go, I'm going to create those products that I think I miss and many consumers like me miss, and I'm going to give them this identity and this story that is really authentic to me. And because I think the world, you know, the Moroccan beauty or Arab beauty is a huge market and it's, it deserves representation, right? There are a lot of people that are, would benefit from the, the philosophy of rituals, which I think is very similar to what you're doing, ritual yeah. and indulgence and anchoring, which consumers need today more than yeah. ever. I think we had 100 years of fast, plastic, boring, da da da. Now people want something that anchors them. And I can give you an anecdote. You know, it was, I mean, you yeah. relate to it. I was in the US a few weeks ago mm. and I cannot buy any more skincare. I went to Sephora because I yeah. have a lot for work. And also, I, you know, I use mostly um, wind. And, and I was looking for something on hair, you know, and I got drawn to what you're doing, right? Because I'm into some, so, you know, I was traveling. I was like, I need to do something. And I was always been intrigued by the whole hair oiling ritual, but Mm. I would never do it because I have thin hair, you know, or fine hair, but I just like, I just smelled it. And I'm like, I am doing this. And I don't want to spend 20 minutes working my scalp and my arms. (laughs) Like it's a workout. (laughs) It is a workout. But you know, and it's because I think the world needs kind of this kind of brands, right? That kind of help. All the levers. And and I love what you said at the beginning, scent, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. so important. Uh, 
sensorial and you don't compromise in any of these mm-hmm. areas and yes. and it is true like I mean I can tell you like I've, there there isn't a brand mm-hmm. like yours um in, in the industry but B in Sephora etc and like these are and same as us when before we launched it was like that was sort of like the inspiration why we tunnel visioned into LinkedIn mm-hmm. messaging Sephora was because we were like well it makes sense and we've got the offering um but we know consumers yeah, it might take some time because there's nothing mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. on the shelves, mm-hmm. but you know, it it will stick because these are rituals and rituals are often not fast. They are slow, but very powerful. Um, that's why they've lasted for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years, you know. Um, it's just unfortunately, if we don't create the environment, the retail environment or the products that are conditioned for them, we will lose them. And that's that's a risk I don't want to take and you don't want to take. So going to wind, I would love to know a little bit about the name, why you came up with that name. So the products and the brand universe were there uh, from the beginning and knew exactly what uh, we wanted to do. But I struggled with the name because it's like how, you know, there's so much. And, and you class know, what, three, it's even trademark issues. I mean, I was like, so, and, and I was really, it's, you know, I really struggled. So I didn't yeah. come up with the name, actually. It's a friend of mine. So a friend of mine who's a creative director who created the world of wind, she, uh, she's Russian and she's based in New York. She's never been to Morocco, but I wanted her to work on it because she came from fashion, not beauty. So she was able to not be like within the molds. Yeah. And, uh, and she would listen to me. So I would describe to her how Morocco is. And I would be like, Anya, her name is Anya. You know, Morocco is all about like, you know, seduction and subtlety and movement and, you know, the wind in the trees and in the palm trees. And, and then she's like, oh my God, we should call it wind because of mm. the movement that goes with it. And yeah. then have a play on my name because obviously I'm Hind and add the H. So it's called wind with an H. And I liked that, even if I don't tell the story a lot, because if you translate it to Arabic, which is my native language, the W means end. So it means with hint. And that's, for me, this idea of community and togetherness and so on made sense. So, and, and then it was went. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, no, it, it makes sense. And I think you should story tell that more because I think it's important that people educate themselves on the, on the, the meanings and no, it's beautiful. It's why I like to ask that question always. Um, so yeah, so that's the, the birth of wind. <laughs> so tell me, tell us about the first, because the product's obviously the most important factor first. Without the right product, you don't have a brand, right? So what was your first few products that you were creating and how did you get around starting that process? So what I knew from the beginning, hmm. I mean, before we had the product, we had like the warm science idea, which is you know, it could have gone in many ways. I didn't want to do just natural products like, oh, here's your argan oil, because I do believe that people can buy those in Morocco from, I mean, much better, you know, mono ingredients. It's not the business I'm in. What I wanted is that kind of performance, right? So it's about for a benefit that we want to deliver. And for wind, we talk about skin. So healthy and happy, it glows. So our benefit is glow. We are a positive brand with a positive tone of voice. We do not remove, we don't do anti this and anti that. We just, you know, help you glow, right? So there is also an instant satisfaction type of benefit, right? You use it and you can straight away feel the texture, feel the scent, but also feel the result on your skin. And we said, okay, for each benefit that we have, what is the ingredients, the proven actives that can deliver that? Both, I would say, old and new, right? So we will have yeah. ceramides, right? Because we know ceramides are good for, you know, skin barrier and so on. But we mm-hmm. also have argan oil and prickly pear oil mixed with it. So it's this fusion of two types of science, yeah. one that's been here for a long time and one that is, I guess, more recent yeah. and put it in a product that has an amazing texture, an amazing scent. And we say our philosophy is product that you want to use every day. So it's a ritual you look forward to because it smells nice, it feels nice, and it's always rewarding both emotionally and from a benefit point of view. So the two first products we started with, for me, were a bit like the DNA of Moroccan beauty. One was the oil, so Marrakesh light, illuminating oil. And the other one was a facial exfoliant called Sahara Silk. And what I wanted to do is I was like, at the heart of glow is super exfoliated, clean skin that is also nourished and taken care of. And, you know, oils, we know the 
beauty of there's nothing like oils for that kind of nourishment and instant glow so we started with these two products because they were a bit of a and they smelled of amber which Mm. is not such a a familiar uh, scent in skincare but it's for me they carried the brand which is about warmth and about feel good and about you know the kind of this positive enjoyment of beauty and I didn't work on them alone. So often, I, as you know, people assume there's always like a founder alone, and sometimes there is. But I was very lucky because after all this time in the beauty industry, what it allowed me to have is to have you know friends and teams that are um, you know amazing. I have Esme, my team that's been with us from the very beginning and developed the product with the best yeah. lab. We have Kathy, our science director. I worked with her when I was a junior product manager on Ole 20 years ago. And she came in to help with kind of the science thing. So it's, um, I was very lucky with the people that we, uh, that I was able to surround myself with. I think that's really important. Like, um, I mean, even today I have employees that, one of my uh, my digital director is was my was the e-commerce manager that was more senior to me when I had my first job in Estee Lauder, and you know uh, my CFO is my friend from university. Like, I think the message is always treat people with respect. Obviously, your reputation does go beyond you know what you can imagine today because it might you know be very important to your future. But also, I think just inspire always in your journey because you never know. Like, then someone might want to work with you, believe in you and help you on your journey that you might end up doing when you found a brand. So I think it's just, it's a testament to, I guess, your work ethic and your, your relationships during your career that was so important. So that's really exciting. I think like having that, is there moments where you're like, um, like, do you ever go and like, I can't believe you're, you're, you're willing to work on, with me on this or like, you know, like, do you get like still like very in awe? Yes, because I think I am a dreamer, right? So yeah. I pursue a dream and I'm in the dream and I'm never like s- sitting like down and go, oh, you know, look at this, look at that. But um, mm. I always had, and this is kind of down to what I said earlier, which is I had this belief that one day I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had this list of people that I met in my career that I was like, they would be part of my imaginary company, you know, once I have one. And it's the first thing I did. You know, Kathy, our science director, I called her straight away and I was so humble that she said yes. I mean, she was science come for PNG here in the UK. So uh, same for, you know, Esme, Blaze, everybody in our team. They, well, I mean, we went to people that I knew were the best that I had worked with and having them join the journey, especially in the very beginning where nothing is guaranteed, nothing is, you know, we're building brick by brick is very humbling. And I'm That's so amazing. glad they did. I like that. Make a list. I'm actually going to do that thinking about all the people that I've met in my career that I wish one day, and even if it's out of reach, I'm still going to put it down, right? For sure. Because um, those are memories that you know I miss and I want to, you know, and I also were so inspired by some people. So I'm going to write a list of people that one day I want to manifest into my, it, not necessarily on my company, maybe I'll co-create something with them, maybe I work with under them, I don't know, right? But I do that a lot still today, yeah. I still today have like fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's, yeah, dream, right? Dream is that key word there, which is so exciting. So for those listening, um, there's obviously now a, a much wider, incredible array of products that Wind now does. So tell us about some of the new other products post the oil and the exfoliating Sahara silk. So my, I mean, my absolute favorites, I mean, like I cannot be without, like I always have to have like a little stock with me is our cleanser. It's called Oasis Fresh. It's a jelly to milk cleanser. And honestly, I am obsessed with it. I use it day and night and I'm not the only one obsessed with it. Consumers are obsessed with it because one of the things I love about the product is mm. we get comments, you know, not just like, oh, this makes my skin glowy or makes my skin hydrated, but there's emotional comments. Like on this one, we get, I cannot wait to get home to remove my makeup with Oasis Fresh. It's the cleanser I run back home to. You know, it's consumers talking about products like they're talking about people. So it shows the commitment, which is ultimately what in the business of doing, which is building that, um, that love. Yeah. So Oasis Fresh um, is my go-to cleanser. Uh, use it every day. And then I think my... No, I will just say, I'm just looking at your reviews mm. now. And one person mm. even says, which I think is such a big factor, mm. suddenly cleansing became a pleasure I look forward yeah. to instead of being a hassle. Like that's so... Yeah. And someone that's goes, exactly, it's a godsend. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of capitals here, very positive. <laughs> I've never seen like 
all five star reviews. I think there's like there's something very crazy happening here with this product. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is amazing product. We just did a campaign. Actually, we're in the middle of the Oasis Fresh campaign this January, so maybe you're getting more than than uh, than before. And the other product that I'm really really proud of is a day cream called uh, Marrakesh Rich Ultimate Cream. Why? Because I think it is at the highest end of science and clinical testing performance that we have in our range. And it was a real challenge for me because all the, for the last 20 years, I mean, I played with skincare a lot. I changed, you know, I changed my cleanser, changed my donors, da, da, da. But there has always been one cream that I used, a day cream that I used since I don't know, 2005, 2007, I think. And I couldn't move away from it because it was perfect for me. It's an Olay cream. I was used to work on Olay at the time and we had made that cream. So I was always terrified to move away from that cream because I think it's it's an amazing formula. So I tasked myself and the team to say, I want something that gives me what that cream does and more. And the more we wanted is most consumers are saying for day creams, yes, they make my skin feel hydrated, but I don't see anything. And that is the frustration in skincare. So, so we said we want to have a day cream that you can feel. So makes you know, it's like a hug for your skin, but it also makes it look visibly glowing. And we tested it. So Marrakesh Rich, we have clinical data that shows improves the skin barrier after just one hour. So just powerful claim and visibly uh, and you can see a visible glow after just one use and this is exact and it's an amazingly whipped texture I, I absolutely adore it I think I've probably been through 20 uh, products uh, but you know um, jars by now so these are my two I am I'm, like when I travel and I'm somewhere I take two because I never know what can happen I don't want to run out that's and and one thing I want you mentioned because you mentioned clinicals quite a bit and I think it's a very important because obviously on our listenership we also have budding founders or founders of brands and as a startup, both me and you, you know, sometimes there is that opportunity cost of do you spend on more inventory, on more marketing or clinicals? And there are some clinicals which are like perception tests, which are like still very valid data and you can get great results. And I always encourage people to start with that. But then there's also the more like scientific clinicals and it can cost a lot of money. We're talking six figures to even seven figures. What's your advice on any startup about clinicals? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it depends what the brand is about, right? Uh, what your brand is communicating. If you are doing a derm-led brand, if you are all like hanging your hat on science, you need to be able to prove what you're saying because everybody today is saying clinically proven. I mean, okay, clinically proven because if you use an ingredient that has been clinically proven, you can actually claim it. So there's a lot of, I think, noise in skincare. So when you want to, when you have a product that you know is going to deliver, because that's yeah. the thing, right? A lot of products are not going to deliver. So maybe not worth kind of spending. And it's okay because they're made for something else, right? Exactly. And I think on wind, I did clinicals because I wanted the sensoriality and the Moroccan, you know, kind of inspiration that has been, I needed to counterweight that because that, when I say that people are like, oh, so it's not scientific, you know, it's Moroccan or it's natural or so on. So it was important to me where I wanted to position um, the brand and for my consumers to do clinical testing, but I chose, we didn't do them on every single SKU, we didn't do them on the oil, we do consumer, you know, uh, which is the one you were referring to, because, you know, um, 99% of consumers think their skin feels more nourished or looks more glowy, is good enough. But this one, I wanted to go after skin barrier, because we called it the ultimate cream, you know, so I wanted to be able to support that. And that's, helps also halo on your the rest of credentials on the rest of your brand so it's choices yeah and that's very very important so t today i know um currently the brand is predominantly is d2c but i know there's going to be eventual plans mm -hmm. as, as expected in this industry where you need to have retail support that we'll talk about maybe in a bit as a future but tell us like how has d2c been for you and why you also started d2c so uh i we started in d2c for uh, a couple of reasons one is we launched in april 2021 and at the time, the world was still uncertain. So, you know, and we launched with two SKUs. I believe personally 
that to be do well on skincare in store, you need to have a range. Otherwise, you are asking for, you know, it's the challenge, right? right? Visibility, yeah. la, la, la. To get shelf space, to be productive, it's, to get revenue. It's very complicated. Time. So I thought, you know, first we're going to launch the range and we build it because now we have 19 SKUs after, you know, a year and, and, and a bit and a half. So, and but the most important thing for me is, um, and it's what we do on wind and what we do on welding cast. And I'll come into welding cast. I don't think I um, answered your question on that yet. Is business models that are consumer centric. We created wind. I created wind for a global citizen. Where is that global citizen? So we went on DTC and we made it available globally because I wanted to see where the consumer traction with with um, almost like a live concept test, right? Where is the consumer before I go to retail? And one of the biggest, uh, very early on successes was in the in the Middle East and in the GCC, you know, the Gulf regions, right? Because suddenly it was the brand, it was representation, and also in the region, Moroccan is Morocco is known for beauty, so it was an easy kind of a easier uh, shortcut. So this is where we decided to go retail first. It was like, okay, we are in a couple of places and we're expanding in the bottom stores as we speak, because this is where the, you know, it caught up immediately. And we are going into other, um, so we use that website as like fine tuning of the brand messaging of the lineup, what, what is working, what are our best sellers that we're talking to them about the right way. And then where do we spend our money to drive those sales, you know, and then where do we spend our money to go retail? Because as we know, retail is a big investment from an inventory point of view and da da da. So that has been our our journey because I think skincare brands, especially a brand like Wind, I had no rush in putting it in retail. I needed to build it first. It was a community first. I needed the love. And now that everybody's asking me, where can I find it in retail? What can I find in retail? Where can I find it in retail? It's like, okay, now we're coming. Now is the start. Yeah, because it's, you know, because then I want to make it a success once you're in store that you have the demand to be able to move it. So that was that um, the decision for wind. But when the rest of our portfolio and and to answer your earlier question of welding cast, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. I waited always think I waited all this time, quote unquote, waited just to decide to, to start wind. And one of the very first people that I told about this kind of dream or kind of leave my amazing job at Maybelline and having lots of fun and start something from scratch was my was Michel Brousset, who was my boss in, in L'Oréal in the UK and then went on to be the boss of L'Oréal North America for the consumer division. And I just told him because I needed a sense check. I was like, I think I'm crazy. I'm just going to go and create a brand from scratch and hopefully more than one brand. And to my great surprise and delight, he said... Uh, me too. So suddenly this this vision that I had of myself in my kitchen alone, I cannot do alone. And I was like, that was my fear. You know, I'm alone. And he said, no, let's do this together. He said, you know, I also want to do something, create not a brand or two brands, but a, a platform, a beauty and wellness platform. What is the next beauty big player and we do it on our terms uh, with brands that align with our values that are authentic sustainable consumer centric da 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 so i started wind at the same time as i started welding cast i had like two babies at the same time and welding cast journey i mean it's going to turn four in um in a in a few weeks really started michelle myself our computers out of like a very intense careers uh in in the corporate worlds and, you know, our life savings and one partner investors. And we started in this whole journey. Where how do you build a beauty company, like a, a big beauty company? So we started as a VC. We were investing, never invested before. But we thought that was a way into the industry. Are people even going to be interested about what we had to offer? And what we had to offer was money, but also operational know-how. Because we believe we know beauty and wellness extremely well. One of the biggest issues for, you know, startups and, you know, beauty startups is the operational know-how. It's not about creating something nice and appealing. It's about scaling it. So we did that uh, for, set for uh, we invested in seven brands, uh, seven companies. And in the meantime, we also started working on Welding Gas Brands, which is the incubator that is based in London. This is what I plugged wind. This is where I created Glaze, which we launched um, a year ago, doing super well, and then Coats, which we more recently, um, more recently launched. 
And then in the process of that, we thought, and this is the life of the entrepreneur, we thought, okay, in our portfolio, we have almost like baby brands that we create and toddler brands that we invest in. We need more teenage brands, you know, stronger, bigger brands that can carry the portfolio and fast track us to our vision to be kind of a leading beauty company. So this, we went to, um, and we raised money in the public markets and we announced last summer, or we closed last summer, the acquisition of Milk Makeup and Obagi Skincare. In a bigger transaction. So that's yeah. welding cast, you know. So we have all of them happening at the same time, but it's within the same industry, within the same focus. It's just different ways. And it all things with each other, which I think is really important. I think mm. um, especially as you start, you know, doing more and more things, I think it's important like not to be inhibited by trying when doing more, but if you can, if you're at the earliest stages of the more, if you can make them sing and complement each other. Think it's a bit easier right because otherwise your brain is going <laughs> triangling all over the place yeah. um and i think it's important but did you feel like today and i'm asking for me because i have also some other businesses on the side and obviously this podcast is one of them do you find it sometimes hard to to balance or what's your tips for you know giving each enough time it is a lot <laughs> it is a lot and i'm not sure about balance right mm. you know to be completely uh transparent because but I feel, I think my overwhelming feeling is that I'm so lucky. I feel so lucky all the time. Oh, I love that. I feel so lucky that I get to do an in, that I work in an industry I love, on brands I love, with people I love. So if I look at it like that, I'm more like, oh my God, I'm so thankful that I'm able to do all of this. So I see less the fact that it is, you know, it is not, you know, when you have multiple ventures, as you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to split my time 20, 30, 40. So you do everything 100%, you know? That goes out of the window. Everything is 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think a way to make it manageable, I feel super lucky that there's two of us, like Michelle and myself. So you kind of, you know, I sometimes say the biggest thing for founders, I say, if you can find somebody like a founder you trust that you are super complimentary with, this makes everything so much easier. It's still tough. But you're in it together. When things are tough, you can look into somebody, somebody else. You're not alone facing, you know, all the challenges that that you know inevitably come from entrepreneurial life. So, so yeah, I feel because I feel so lucky. I don't really think about the downside. I love that. I think that's such a great mindset shift. That when you just focus on how grateful and gratitude, mm -hmm. I think it can make it. You, you'll end up finding your energy is not spent on how, but you just do. You know, because you're inspired. Um, and I think that's very important, but exactly as you said, and I think finding someone on the journey that you can trust and be with and, and share, um, everything with, I think it's very, very powerful. And also as it can be, it can be quite lonely at times mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to know there's someone by your side. So that's, that's very exciting. Um, and then at times it's also good to do some things just on your own, yeah, right? For sure. it, <laughs> I do this podcast just on my own. I can't do everything with my sister. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i'll be i'll be enough of her <laughs> so yeah there's a balancing there um but in terms of now like sort of the future for wind before we start wrapping up and going to fire around questions um we mentioned a few things right uh, there'll be retail around the horizon um but what's your focusing right now what's what are you thinking i mean when the vision from the beginning was to create a new global beauty brand right? Hmm. That is born from another part of the world. So when you yeah. think about the big brands, you will go X, Y, and Z wind, right? The way we're building that is really focusing on the community and what our consumers are telling us. And the two biggest requests from our consumers have been, one is, can I have other categories? So they asked us straight away, I need body, I need fragrance, I need yeah. candles, I need the home, which makes sense because that's what we are in the DNA of wind is an experience, right? So spontaneously they're coming and they're completing that experience. So that's exactly, we call it the house of wind, you know? I was like, can I imagine that wind can be a hotel? Yeah, I can see how wind could be a hotel with all the different things. You know, it's almost like, how do you work the, the, the you know, work it backwards, right? Exactly. And and that's what we are on the path to delivering, expanding, you know, continuing what we do on skincare, expanding categories, expanding in the right geographies, in the right brick and mortar experiences, and you know, and learning yeah. as we go. 
It's very important. I know, it's, I'm very excited for the future. And exactly as you said, it's the world is the oyster, the sky is the... Is, is the I'm really bad with sayings. Every time I do this podcast, <laughs> I always say with everyone, I'm like, I should not be a poet because I always like make it up. Yeah. I was about to say, the sky is the ceiling. I don't know. The sky, there's the, there's limit. the limit. Yeah, let's go there. Whatever, right? <laughs> English is my first language and I still can't get those right. But anyway, the point is, is I'm excited to see what comes ahead. So um, I'll be on the journey very much close. And then, you know, we'll be collaborating and that's how we do it. Brands like ours, I think it's about um, championing each other and being on the journey with each other to see... A more diverse, colorful and fun beauty landscape, you know? Exactly. It's exactly. And I think everybody asks me, uh, you know, more like my Waldencast side, uh, does the world need another beauty brand? Oh my God, there's beauty brands. So I tell them, actually, these are not brands. People are bringing collections of products. These are not brands. The brand is the soul, you know? So does the world need another lipstick, red lipstick? No. But does the world need a red lipstick that resonates with this consumer and this consumer in a different way that the other existing brands haven't? That's what consumers want. We want to see that representation. And, you know, it's funny because I am very, you know, because I am very experiential as a consumer. I saw your brands, your brand early on, right? And I love everything about it. I love the stories. I love the details on the packaging. I love, I love, you know, when you did a pop-up and stuff, you know, it's, because I love that. And, and, you know, and there is as many brand potential than are our consumers, right? Because it's not about this one or the other. It's about finding your consumer. And then that consumer exactly. is going to be there for you. So, And I think when you have a, a, a DNA like that, like I would say our brands, it's yeah. when you said, you know, said what's in the horizon, this, anything. Because even for yeah. us, because it's not, I don't consider it a hair care brand. I mm-hmm. consider it so much beyond that. It's and a brand, it's, it's, yeah. It's, you know what I mean? And, and I think like, I don't know. And I think you just have to be close to your community mm-hmm. and um, your team to help you inspire that because I can't come up with everything. It's mm-hmm. no longer me and my sister's brand. Like it's no longer mm-hmm. Hins mm-hmm. brand, right? Wind. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be so much more. And mm-hmm. um, that's why I think it's, it's it's really important to stand your ground when, you know, you go to retailers or you go mm-hmm. to certain investors and you have to sometimes say, listen, it's, I'm going to walk away from this because you're kind of box me up in the traditional mm-hmm. status quo. Mm-hmm. And I actually envision something very different here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a powerful thing to do. So mm-hmm. before we go into fire round, I have a, I think I already know your answer, but I want to ask you. I'm inviting you to a founded beauty desert mm-hmm. island, mm-hmm. but unfortunately I'm being very mean. Not me, security is being very mean. And they're only <laughs> saying, Hind, you can only bring one wind product. So what is your go-to that you'll be taking on this island? I would say Oasis Fresh Jelly Cleanser because it's a cleanser that is also moisturizing. And we say you can almost forget to moisturize after. So I would sacrifice my, you know, so it's, uh, there you go. I also love, you have this beautiful, like, le petite, right? The little cup. Yeah. So, you know, that's like, that such counts, a great... That counts as one. <laughs> you, that counts too. That's even the perfect okay. one. You get all oh, of the great. Five, like, five of yeah. them. So, it's perfect. Is it five or six of them you have in the le petite? They have, uh, I think you have five. Five, yeah. yeah. I think you have the mini cleanser in there. You have the oil, the, the vitamin, the oil. and then the three creams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, five. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. That's It's a great way to gateway into people, but also for travel. <laughs> I think it's very important. Um, so now I'm going to go to five round questions. There's just three mm-hmm. quick, easy questions. Um, mm-hmm. First thing that comes to mind. So my first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? I'm going to say I, I do quite lo- I like yours right now. Yeah. Oh. I, I like the one main because I'm trying not to say, I mean, there's a lot of brands in our portfolio that I love, yeah. but it's, you know, it's like a vested interest. But I have to yeah. say, I have been such a huge advocate since I tried like the oil and da da da. da. I told yeah. a lot of my friends, you know. Oh. So I am, uh, I am quite into it, and I like okay. the universe. I like the story. Now that I know you, I like it even more because I think it makes it more personal. Exactly. But I have been exactly. for the last two weeks thoroughly, you know, disciplined in my ritual. How much hair oiling is too much hair oiling? Is my question. Exactly. I'm like, well, I love this India, so much. That I'm... People oil their hair daily. 50% of the population, apparently, there's like a rough quote. So it's a possible, but um, usually like there's different types of oiling, right? There's oiling, which you then keep in for as long as you wash, but then that's like a look. And I think in India, people like are used to that look here. People might look at you and be like, 
Is that oily hair? So people like to wash it out, right? Yeah. But I always say don't wash your hair too often, like once or twice a week is, is max. So therefore, usually on your wash day, you would oil. But um, the pandemic was good because no one really cares. I just was keeping my oil yeah. in for like the whole couple of days, you know, <laughs> it was all good. But oh, no, I appreciate it. I, I, and, and likewise, of course, I'm obsessed with all your products and I've tried them all. So um, yeah, it's just... No, I'll, I'll accept that answer. Normally, I'm like no fable in Maine, no no wind. But I'm like that's cool. I appreciate no, no, that. No. I had I had told you the anecdote before, you know that I exactly just, yeah yes. yeah you're into Sephora, so no, it's really cool. Well, my next question is: Do you have a favorite quote or like a saying that you keep close to your heart or chest? It's uh, yeah, it's that uh, only those who dare to go too far can see how far they can go. I love that all the time. Pushes me a little bit, always over there. Mm, it's very true it's a good reminder Mm. especially on this journey we need to remind ourselves (laughs) and my last question is if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur or even in the beauty industry what would Hind be doing right now I think I would be a writer I love writing yeah I it's my uh, I mean maybe not a good one I don't know but I love uh I love words and stories so I'm a storyteller so I decided to do it through beauty Oh, please, please write a book when the time is right, write a book. I think it's very, (laughs) you'll have so many anecdotes that whether it's a fiction or nonfiction from the engineering, the cultural background to the new beauty brand, there's a lot in there. I'm sure that has a lot of um, helpful stories for people. So, um, yeah, I think that you should should do that. But, uh, it's been such a pleasure. We could speak all day, but I'll let you, you you have a, (laughs) you have a brand to run and meetings to attend to. But, uh, in the meantime, where can everyone follow yourself and, uh, the brand wind? So, um, wind is, you know, at wind, W H I N D and wind.com. Uh, I mean, uh, on Instagram, TikTok, and on our website, I am hint.septi. Not the most exciting Instagram account to <laughs> to follow. But, I you love know, it. I like yeah, it. <laughs> it's very it's my personal thing, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect. And I like I like the the Morocco in the eyes. You did the reveal or something. Yeah, yeah, really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, so um, I'll put all the links in the summary below, so people can just tap straight away. And uh, this is just the beginning of many more conversations, Hind, yes, and a beautiful so. friendship on this journey Thank we're on you. together. Likewise. So I'm very excited. Thank you so much for having me. hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music podcast the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable and Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.